Hi, this is Mark Tallman with the Kansas Association of School Boards. Wanted to give you an update to some new developments in our state's effort to get our schools open and operating safely. At its August meeting, the State Board of Education accepted some new school gating criteria. That's just a fancy way of saying what should be used to determine when schools will be open. It was accepted by the State Board as part of their Navigating Change Guidance to School Districts, and we want to explore what the new information says. The new criteria was developed by primarily a group of medical experts. The University of Kansas Wichita Pediatrics, part of the Kansas School of Medicine, the Kansas Academy of Family Physicians, the Kansas Chapter of American Academy of Pediatrics, the Kansas Department of Health Environment, the Kansas State Department of Education, and volunteer school leaders from across the state. The purpose of these new criteria and guidance is to help school leaders determine COVID-related risk levels in their community and then decide what learning environments and other activities should be allowed or restricted in their schools. It's absolutely important to stress these are recommendations only. The final decision on how and when schools open and how they operate will still be made by local elected school boards subject to any federal, state, county, or local requirements. In other words, if there's a local health directive in your county, that takes precedent. It's designed to be used in conjunction with the Navigating Change document, a thousand-page uh, guidance document developed earlier this summer by State Department of Education and numerous volunteers from schools across the state. And as always, this is subject to change by actions of federal, state, county, or local authorities. The guidance basically has three parts. First, it presents criteria on five different measures of school and community data, which can indicate the degree of COVID-19 spread within a community or district. Second, it assesses a risk level ranging from green through yellow to orange to red for each of those measures. And then finally, it suggests, based on a combination of those measures using the same risk colors, how districts should be operating, whether it is all on site, having kids uh, attending school physically in the buildings, whether it should be hybrid, sometimes on site, sometimes remote, all remote, meaning most students are never in the building, and other restrictions that might be associated with the different risk levels. The first criteria, and really the starting point for everything else, is looking at student absenteeism. This is done by comparing this year's absentee rate of students with last year's average daily attendance for the school year. In other words, if last year, throughout the year, the average daily attendance was 95% of all students enrolled, that would be the baseline for this year. An increase of up to 3% of that baseline in the current year would be in the green level. 3 to 6% would be in yellow, 6 to 9 or 10% in orange, and equal to or above 10% would be considered in the red zone. So any increase in absenteeism should trigger a conversation with local health officials regarding next steps. The second criteria is the two-week county positive case rate. In other words, of all the COVID tests given in a county over the previous two weeks, how many were positive. Less than 5% would be considered green, about 5 to 10% yellow, up to 15% orange, and anything over 15% is in the red zone. 
The third criteria is the two-week cumulative county incident rate. In other words, it's looking at how many new cases of COVID are identified in your county over the past two weeks. But in order to equalize the fact that Kansas counties have very different populations, this is calculated per 100,000 persons. In other words, it would be the number of people in a county of 100,000. But if you have 15 cases in a county of 50,000, that would equal 30 in a county of 100,000. Or just one case in a county of 4,000 would equal 25 cases in a county of 100,000. In this case, once you adjust uh, to that population, so you're looking at number per 100,000, zero to 50 new cases would be considered green, 50 to 100 yellow, 100 to 150 new cases would be orange, and over 150 would be considered red. The fourth criteria is the trend in the county incident rate. This means simply, is the number going up, going down, or is it stable? Decreasing would be green, stable would mean yellow and orange, and an increasing number would be red. The final criteria is the capacity of local hospitals, either the local hospital in the county or hospitals where people in the county may be referred to if they need the type of treatment required by COVID. If your local or referring hospital has a capacity of 30% or more, that's considered green. Between 20 and 30% yellow, 10 to 20% orange, or finally anything below 10% would be considered red. With five different criteria and four different risk levels by color, it may not be entirely clear where your district might fall on this list. And in fact, there's no particular formula. And again, there's no requirement to use this evaluation at all. The suggestion is that every district put together a team to evaluate this criteria regularly, perhaps every week, to look at all four criteria points. This should certainly include local county health officials because they'll have immediate access to this data, the superintendent or designee, possibly local school board members, if available, physicians in your community, and possibly other stakeholders as desired. This is the team that can look at the data, look at the different levels of possible risk, and make an overall determination about where they think the district is. Once the overall risk level is decided for the district, the team can then go on to look at recommendations for other aspects of operations, starting with the learning environment. That's where students generally receive most of their teaching and learning. At the green level, all grades from pre-K pre through 12 could be safely taught on site. At the yellow level, younger students, pre-K through five, could be taught on site or at a hybrid where some of the learning could take place at the school and some would be online. Also at yellow, grade six through 12 should be considered through hybrid. And the point of this is to allow fewer students at school at all times to make social distancing more feasible. At the orange level, pre-K through five grades should be considered on-site or hybrid with six to 12 and remote only. And in the red level, all schools, all grades would be considered for remote only. Now, because younger students are considered, at least at this point, at less risk for, for the COVID uh, virus, 
And because these students may need more uh, of an ability to be in school because of uh, childcare considerations and other issues, the document has some guidance or strategies to consider ways to safely keep younger students at school on site longer. One recommendation is that students should be grouped together in a cohort of less than 15 students per group, either by keeping classes less than 15 students per class, or by combining students, perhaps across several grades, into a group of less than 15 students to allow adequate physical distancing between cohorts and no mixing of groups other than with the teacher. These groups can be spread out in safe but unused facilities within the district. For example, if you were in a zone where middle and high school students would be operating remotely, uh, younger students could use that part of the building. Um, sports and recreational facilities that are not in use could be made available for uh, classroom areas for younger students, and students can be outside when weather permits. Schools could also work with their community to find other locations to space out students for on-site education, such as community buildings, churches, restaurants, or other facilities. Those locations should be consistent with those classes or cohorts. You're going to the same place all the time, same students, same teacher. <clears throat> Nurses, special education teachers, administrators, and other staff should work in teams themselves and be prepared to travel between sites as needed to provide those services to a cohort group rather than breaking students out of that to get their special services. The next decision area is school activities. If the conditions are considered green, on-site activities for virtually everything is allowed. It's recommended to follow the navigating change guidelines for activities, and that includes limiting capacity in school facilities to allow six-foot social distancing. Things get more restricted if you decide you're at the yellow level and want to follow these recommendations. To start with, no all school activities, no general assemblies or anything that brings the whole school together. Small group activities would be permitted but limited, mass and social distancing required, and again, keeping those stable groups with limited numbers. Then no high-risk activities, no group travel for, for any activities. Um, conditioning and practice may continue with modifications. In the orange and red levels, uh, remote only for school activities. So what are considered high-risk activities? The Navigating Change document uses a definition from the National Federation of High Schools and identifies the higher risk activities as wrestling, football, lacrosse, and, well, cheerleading that involves stunts and activities. Moderate risk activities, which would not be eliminated under this, include basketball, volleyball, baseball and softball, soccer, gymnastics, swim relays, pole vault, high jump, and long jump. And then finally, lower risk activities are individual running events, sideline, cheer, dance, and cross country. It should also be noted that some activities could move among these categories depending on what the, the school does as far as mitigating activities. Next are conditions for spectators or audience. So once again, in the green level, just about everything would be permitted as long as you follow the navigating change guidelines, and that's primarily ensuring that there is capacity to allow six-foot social distancing. 
Again, in yellow, things are allowed, but with more restrictions. Distancing should be by keeping household groups together, but separated from others and mask if indoors. And also following any limits on the total number of individuals uh, per uh, guidelines in navigating change or other local conditions. Again, just like for activities, remote only for the orange and red levels. Next would be considering visitor access. Green level again, very few restrictions. Follow the navigating change guidelines allowing for social distancing. Yellow suggestion is that people should be allowed into schools and visitors only by appointment, requiring mass social distancing and the limits on capacity. The orange level should be extremely limited. Require appointments, mask and social distancing, and make sure you stay with those uh, capacity limits. And finally, in red, no visitors would be allowed, and in effect, very little activities at all would be going on within the school. Next would be considering visitor access. Green level again, very few restrictions. Follow the navigating change guidelines allowing for social distancing. Yellow suggestion is that people should be allowed into schools and visitors only by appointment, requiring mass social distancing and the limits on capacity. The orange level should be extremely limited. Require appointments, mask and social distancing, and make sure you stay with those uh, capacity limits. And finally, in red, no visitors would be allowed, and in effect, very little activities at all would be going on within the school. You can get more detailed information on all of the Navigating Change resources and the school gating criteria at the Department of Education website and in their Navigating Change portal. And you can get resources from the Kansas Association of School Boards through our Roadmap to Reopening portal. Thanks for your interest.